desire in society currently with current events to experience like save horror show the basic difference between ugliness and and, and, and beauty is that beauty comes in few uh, forms whilst ugliness comes in countless forms we should move on to only fans if everything is possible nothing matters anymore everybody is dressed in the same way but everybody thinks that they are not i'm gonna destroy your western democracy and western world and if you haven't paid attention before now you see me guess what is the biggest complaint mm. For lack of sex. I mean, why don't you watch your porn, really? Why do you need to watch a TV sh series to see sex? The moment we start deny our past, the moment we start to write off our mistakes or wrongdoings, we stop learning our lessons moving forward. I think you've, you are haunted by a straight man who can do this sort of thing. Gotcha gone bad is back. Yet again. Yet again, uh, we are still alive. Nuclear power is looming in the background, but we keep on going. So, um, Jupi, I would like to start with um, some images which have been quite shocking. And I'm not talking about uh, the Bucha events in Ukraine. Oh, I'm, I'm referring to recent red carpet from Grammys. Mm -hmm and the horror show which we experienced there. So you yeah. see, last week was rich for many horror shows. Um, obviously, I think it would be a mistake to say what celebrities should be expected to have high aesthetic taste and what uh, celebrity entertainment events are about some sort of a specific uh, pinnacle of fashion experience. But simultaneously, I kind of wonder sometimes, is it a joke? What style is put on celebrities on the red carpet? Or it just shows how little taste is involved in this type of events. And also maybe it's also a bigger signifier of some sort of a new looming trend, like Grammys Gothic. I think that the Grammys and red carpets, generally speaking, lately are not addressing trends. They are addressing fads because nothing that we see on red carpets will become a trend, will die out before becoming a trend because it's uh, uncomfortable, useless. It has all the characteristics of fads. So why is it so bad? Sorry? <laughs> but why is it so bad? Like, even if it's just for a moment. Well, I, fashion in general, I don't think is concerned with beauty and taste. It's concerned with newness. And, and that's the only way certain second-rate celebrities have to be spoken about, given that most of them are not talented, most of them are not memorable. So they want to be remembered mm -hmm. by the fans they were but the point is that the red carpets i think are abandoning the idea of being the place for fashion and they are becoming it's not like when people in the 19th century went to the opera with their best dress that's not what red carpets are today um they are places not even for making a political statement just for making a personal individual statement and they are more akin to a costume party uh, than everybody thinks that you know met gala was probably the first to turn couture uh, to turn red carpets into costume parties but now it's becoming the norm yeah, but uh, my point is, uh, Matt Gala, not everyone, but Matt Gala seems to have some sort of a taste and various actual... Because they have a theme, that's why. Yeah, but uh, 
regardless of the theme, sometimes most of celebrities actually, we do get it uh, right and it does look quite fascinating and maybe to some, uh, you know, creative or artistic, yeah. what, whatever you want to describe it as. But now when it gets to Grammys and red carpets, it just sounds like it looks like very, very bad taste. It's like almost, you know, we went down the road here on the high street to some like fancy party dress shop and we just picked whatever was on a discount. On but, the day. but the point is, Alexandra, that we are proving them right because we are talking about them, which is the ultimate goal. They don't want to be remembered because they're good or they don't want to be remembered. For me, the only memorable moment at the Grammys, truly memorable, was uh, Donatella Versace's uh, appearance, which, by the way, was memorable, was beautiful, was uh, cute, but it was a quote of something that had already happened in the past. So the only memorable moment was already seen. Well, after all, we didn't call our podcast Culture Gone Bad for nothing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but still, um, you would imagine with all the opportunities and resources we have, I would go for just a little bit more tasteful garments and a bit more aspiring designers. And everyone's saying Billie Eilish was dressed badly. I actually thought she was dressed yeah, quite well. Yeah, I agree. agree. She was the best. I think yeah. she was one of the best dressed was Billie Eilish. Yes, I do agree. Some of them, and also there is a problem today. that the moment, there only one? Or many, many of them. <laughs> but one problem for red carpets is that uh, on the one hand, they want to be remembered because of the crazy shit they do. And this is the meme, so the meme culture. Okay, they, they know that if they wear weird things, they are going to appear, they're going to be reposted on Instagram as jokes. Everybody aims to become a joke today because it's the only way you have to be uh, to become viral on, on the internet. And, uh, and this clearly is a big problem. And the other one is that uh, with this madness about uh, body positivity, if you if you are a, a a woman, you happen to be sexy and thin and beautiful, and you and you and you dress accordingly, you are probably going to be criticized for for uh, somehow uh, body shaming women who are not as thin. And I've seen this happening. I've seen this happening with, uh, for instance, the uh, celebrities wearing the Miu Miu set. Just because they were wearing what they liked to wear, they were shamed. Uh, how dare you showing the the chiseled abs, etc. You that's in itself body shaming. Okay, oh, so yeah. but if you dress if you, if you if you dress crazily, then you also avoid entering that sort sort of world, and it's a way to protect yourself. In, I think besides so you, all the things. Mm, so you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Yes. Um, no, fair enough. But for me, some of the outfits were proper, sort of uh, Mary Shelley, um, you know, coming back to life, yeah. Frankenstein yeah. aesthetics, or just really, really questionable outfits and ridiculous. Obviously, yeah, probably to generate press attention. I also can get that. But it, it's just, I think it was particularly horrendous. And uh, ironically, like I said, Billie Eilish and also Justin Bieber, who was so highly oh, yeah. criticized. I felt we're probably, the Balenciaga Yeah, we're probably, we're probably a little yeah. bit uh, on the bad spectrum compared to the horror yeah, yeah, yeah. show. I agree. At least they were wearing something that was questionable in terms of beauty, but it was not a um, poor taste. At it was 
Listen. Bad taste, not poor taste. Was interesting anyway. Was interesting. Just it was styled. It, uh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was better styled, um, definitely. And but you know what? On this note, war, even where you say red carpet is not about trends, I do notice a correlation between what happened on this red carpets and couture shows, which you know took place recently. There was a big gothic theme and there were a lot of horror movies uh, aesthetics. And yeah, I do but, notice correlation. Of course, but I, I, when I say uh, fads, I don't mean uh, the um, macro theme because mm-hmm. goth is always there. Yeah, it's always a goth moment. You can find goth uh, crawling. I, I, what I mean is really I like cars uh, in the evening. <laughs> yeah, like those are macro trends that somehow it's even wrong to call them trends because they are never truly out of fashion. Trends need to go out of fashion to be called trends. Otherwise, it's it's it, yeah, they're yeah. classics. But mm-hmm. the, the, I'm talking about the specific items that they wear, the specific things, not the macro themes that they refer to. Yeah, you see, this is my idea, what I kind of see that potentially, could it be what there is some desire in society currently, with current events, to experience like safe horror show through this outfit which we wear because everything is so grim and apocalyptical mm-hmm. right yeah. now uh why don't we put some horrendous outfits on all the celebrities so we revive this awful uh, aesthetic of scare and fear so we just express it in this visual content i uh, always resist very much the as i already said probably in some podcasts the idea of the zeitgeist of the fashion that follows the time unfortunately fashion is um narrow um business uh, fashion at that level i'm not talking about h&m i'm talking about you know red carpet shows and red carpet uh, looks uh, that works for few people, privileged people who do not confront, who are usually not confronted with with the uh, problems of the world. Uh, There is a detachment and there is always a weird uh, discrepancy when famous people try to embrace social themes. Do you remember Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez going to the Met Gala with the tax the rich thing saying Mm. in a place that was literally encrusted with it rich was, people it was a uh, finance by so, rich <laughs> so it was it was a little bit grotesque so um but i i do think that there is one one truth in what you say they are uh, deliberately using ugliness because there is a german philosopher who wrote a book that is not quoted enough called aesthetics of ugliness and in this book rosencrantz is a philosophical account on ugliness there are very few books, philosophical accounts on ugliness in, in the world, okay, that ever made, whereas there are many countless books on beauty. So Rosencrantz says the difference, the basic difference between ugliness and, 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 and beauty is that beauty comes in few uh, forms, whilst ugliness comes in countless forms. And fashion is about newness. Therefore, if you only hinge on beauty, you have very limited choice. So they are deliberately using horrific themes because they know that this is an inexhaustible well of ideas. Oh, interesting. So beauty is one-dimensional. Yeah. Ugliness is, is perpetual exactly. opportunity for all of us to exactly. embrace. Yes. What makes That's... it even exciting, Jupi? You suddenly sold me the idea of ugliness. Yeah. Also, I wanted to <laughs> say, you know that, uh, I don't know if our listeners know this, but uh, recently I... Um, I mean, you know this because we are colleagues. I uh, did a speech. I uh, gave a speech, uh, which is on YouTube. Have you been uh, cancelled after? No, I have.
having me cancelled. Not yeah. yet. <laughs> no, because it doesn't have many views. It's on my private channel on YouTube, um, on my personal channel. No, YouTube. not, not, not only fans. <laughs> not only fans. Not yet, but I'll think about it because it's obscene enough to figure to have a good, uh, I think, it would look good on all the fans maybe maybe that's it Drippy. maybe we should move on to only fans maybe yeah maybe we uh, uh, practice but, our skills in yes, the market but we need to uh to have these talks with our boobs out that would be interesting um so in the, the speech was about the uh, w- the possibility whether fashion can express uh, individual selves and one of the ideas that i that i propose is that fashion in this world is not just my idea there is literature in this but it's the fact that uh, it's very difficult for fashion today to express Uh, any idea, let alone yourself. And that is because um, communication is only possible if uh, if we use a mutually intelligible code. Okay, we are speaking, uh, we use the same language, English. Okay, if you spoke, I don't know, Russian, and I spoke Italian, we would be unable to understand each other. Um, so it requires mutually intelligible codes. Mm-hmm. And fashion in today's world, uh, because of this idea of, uh, you know, uniqueness and freedom of expression has lost the possibility of communication communicating because it, ha- it has lost the common codes. If everything is possible, nothing matters anymore. If everything is allowed, communication is impossible because whatever you wear is so uh, weird and so unique that I don't know what meaning to give to it because we are not using clothes in the same way. Therefore, we are not speaking the same. But the how same comes clothes? everyone dressed more as the same at the same time? Uh, do you think? I think, I yeah, think, I think, yeah. yes. I, I think you're right in one sense. Everybody is dressed in the same way, but everybody thinks that they are not. So everybody's dressed in the same way, but everybody claims to be unique. Yeah. I mean, like a hipsters. Hipsters are that weird category of people that if you, uh, you can clearly identify them on the streets, that is a hipster. Okay, beard, always the same. And then if you go there and you say you are a hipster, they would say, how dare you? I'm my own person. So everybody knows who they are except themselves. I think it's a perfect trick of subcultures. Everyone, you know, starts with this idea of, you know, different lifestyle, having different ideas or having some profound understanding mm. about something. But in the end, we all end up looking the same. Yeah, I do. I do make it. I use the example of hipsters precisely because I think they are not a subculture and unlike what yeah. people may think. And the reason why is that what you say is true. Subcultures think that they are different, but... Uh, all of them uh, at the end of the day look pretty much the same. But, we think the same. That's yes, but the scary. point is, the point is that at least subcultures are proud to be part of a group. Whereas hipsters, the sort of postmodern, uh, late postmodern idea of subculture is everybody is their own uh, sort of um, their own universe, and there is no uh, sense. Of... What I mean is, if you go to a hipster and say you are a hipster, they may say, absolutely not, I am my own person. Whereas if you go to a punk and you say you're a punk, they would be happy about it. So there is a sense of community that is completely lost in, in today's incarnation of styles, uh, of, of subcultural styles. So th- therefore, this makes contemporary subcultures not subcultures at all. Yeah, I mean, potentially we lost sense of community in all aspects of our life. I don't know, it's actually quite a good idea and something to think about. Do you think there is a sense of community anywhere in today's modern reality? No, I think that we are, uh, we are, and this probably ties to some of ideas that you wanted to bring up, we are a uh, radicalizing our individuality in our society. We are individualistic societies, very different from the collectivistic societies of, uh, of the um uh 
Far East. Um, and there is a lot of literature about this. But I think uh, we are mistaking individuality, which is a value for individualism, which mm -hmm. is a limitation. No, no, you're right. So I read this article online written by um, a Russian sociologist, Sergei Medvedev, and it was a reflection on Dostoevsky's book, Notes from Underground. And essentially, like not to go too much into detail, he criticizes in his novel the idea of a rational egoism and a protagonist in a novel. He is spiteful and regretful of society. He despises everyone. He tries to diminish everyone he comes across. And he finds this idea of absolute free will to be ridiculous. So the concept of exercising freedom to do whatever you want in your own interest, not considering other people or general society prosperity. And I thought it was quite interesting how he reflects on Crystal Palace and he goes, wouldn't it be nice to go and destroy Crystal Palace because Crystal Palace for him symbolizes sort of a, the pinnacle of Western society, modernity and progress. And he goes, well, how about I go and destroy it? And what will you say then? So maybe all your ideas are false. And he almost says, like, you know, I don't want two plus two to be four. How, wh why, why, you know, regardless of all your bright ideas, this logic uh, does not hold up. I can destroy it. And like when he goes on and on. Anyway, and the guy in the article, he wrote a reflection on his book and he says Putin as this sort of a man identifying him with a character saying what, because you know, like uh, apparently the narrative goes what Putin stayed in bunker for the past few years. Yeah. And essentially maybe he's been in the underground for too long. So he became so spiteful of a society but he's now exercising radical egoism from his side. And he thinks, well, you know what? I'm so spiteful, now I'm gonna destroy your Western democracy and Western world. And if you haven't paid attention before, now you see me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, does, um, it does seem very acute. Uh, I think uh, in a way Putin is uh, reproposing the idea of, uh, of uh, the, the French king, l'état c'est moi, the state it's me. I am the state, so uh, it doesn't matter what the state thinks because I coincide with my own country. Therefore, my will is the will of my country, and there is no idea of uh, consensus or shared. Uh, he promises probably to Russians greatness, la grandeur, so it really ties with the uh, pre-revolutionary French kings in this sense. But is yeah, there is this confusion between the ruler and the uh, the benefit, the, what benefits the country. Like his personal agenda, so to say. Like I think um, this is where I'd got to. I think there's a huge disconnect of associations. By the way, uh, I think, Drupi, like the way we've been talking about war, we would have been banned, cancelled, and uh, sanctioned in Russia, or like uh, we, we, we definitely would have gotten a yeah. sentence uh, I mean, at this point. So there is still time. Still time, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, always keep your opportunities open. That's that's our spirit, right? But um, definitely. There's a narrative currently what, what Putin is doing 
it clearly became his own personal exercise of this uh, rational egoism, where he's just doing whatever he thinks is the best, and he is already not considering wider society, and he is just going, you know, wild with whatever he does. I thought it was very interesting, and it made me question, you know, value of human life. Is it, is it, is it the value, or is it individual value we should appreciate? Is it the whole society we need to think about? But I think it really opens a huge sort of contemplation about how our world functioning as a wider group. Because, you know, whereas you, whereas me, whereas Putin, and yeah. when there is a wider world, and uh, we all somehow need to coexist, but it seems like everyone developed their own idea of how it should work. And it's just getting very, very grim and grotesque. Very grotesque. Yeah. Well, but you know what? There is always a way to escape. And uh, guess what? TV series do it better than anyone else. And um, new season of Bridgetons is out now. And, um, you know, I read some reviews. And guess what is the biggest complaint? Mm. For lack of sex. Oh, the yeah. lack of sex. The lack of so sex. were people watching it for... I mean, why don't you watch your porn, really? Why do you need to watch a TV series to see sex? I never understood this. This, to me, this idea of putting so much sex in TV shows reflects the Puritan American, um, the Puritan American ethos, whereby you have to insert sex in a narrative so that you are justified in watching it. So it's appropriate. So it's appropriate. So you don't feel like I, I'm not watching that because I'm kinky because, oh, oh my gosh, I'm not kinky. I'm watching that because it's a TV show. And then there is some sex, but actually the real reason why I'm watching it is sex. So I think it's, uh, it, it's not as open-minded as it may seem. It's very actually uh, Puritan in a way because you need a justification to watch a, an erotic show. Uh, I mean, if you want to see an erotic show, just go on Pornhub. It's it's mm. it's like or or go to my Instagram account. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm think, always naked. I think I think after that we really have to start on the fans account. Exactly. Just, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how no, I mean, bad. seriously, <laughs> seriously, I think it's it's an excuse because I, I, whenever there is sex in TV shows, it really bothers me oh, as really? a as a sexually free person as I am. And, and open-minded, it really bothers me too much. For instance, there was a beautiful TV show uh, in principle that I couldn't watch because there was too much useless sex in it, which was How to Get Away with Murder. Oh. Do you watch that? And it was a beautiful idea. Remember. The characters, the protagonist is this, this black woman, this lawyer, this very, everything was, was amazing, okay? Except that every time there is sex, it, the problem is that the, nar the narrative of the movie stops. It gives you this sort of time for wank, time, <laughs> this sort of titillation moment, and then it carries on. And every time I get so bored during these fake sex scenes that I put uh, fast forward and I got tired of doing it and I abandoned the series. So that, that would, would have been an amazing series if sex was not it so... Reminded and, and Bridgeton, same thing. It reminded me, I had a very interesting uh, occasion once. I, when I was in Florence, I went to some bar and we were waiting for a friend. It was like a group of us. And it was some, you know, was sort of a very like low key bar somewhere in the alley. Like not like fancy bar, not hotel bar, just like, you know, local style, yeah, yeah, yeah. almost like local Italian, pub. Yeah. yeah. 
and where was the TV on? And where was the bartender? Maybe it was during the day. So we were like about like one or two patrons inside. So it was like pretty much empty. And where was the TV series, which seemed to be very boring, but we had nothing to do. And like, uh, we were just watching it because we we're waiting for someone. And suddenly, like, we started like a very intense sex scene in this TV series. Was it an Italian TV show? I don't, I don't think so. No, I, I don't think it was Italian. But I actually, I actually don't know what it was. But regardless, I just thought it was like very weird experience. Like you sit with random strangers in a bar in the middle of a day, and everyone is watching like some. It suddenly turned into like almost hardcore porn, and I just was like right this is very interesting yes <laughs> and, and also very pathetic at the same time like, that's the thing i find those moments pathetic <laughs> and useless and not sexy at all it's so difficult to portray good sex in movies first of all it's so difficult to do it in a way that is meaningful uh that is not just titillating you know the viewers uh the viewers uh, senses but also it's no, I, don't, I don't think and also besides bridgerton has so many problems that that's the least that's the least it's such an ugly <laughs> well, apparently if you if you do the google search not the porn hub search uh you will find out what's the biggest problem actually i'm quite curious now probably we should go on porn hub and search costume drama porn i wonder i guess i guess everything exists in porn hub but i think it would be quite they are much more creative i think in porn hub um, yeah, uh, I mean, it, it always, it never stops to amaze me the amount of content they produce, you know, like these guys really know how to create a narrative. I, I, like, I, to, me, to me, Bridgerton was, uh, was uh, also wrong and uh, I couldn't understand why they needed uh, a Georgian, a sort of, um, no, it was not Georgian, it was Regency, I think, yeah. Regency, a drama to which Regency and then constantly betrayed by the fact that it's not Regency. So it's mm. uh, all this confusion. Why do you need to refer back to a historical moment uh, in such a loose way? Uh, what is the point? I think from, I, I really don't yeah. see the point. It's very pointless. Well, from what I understand, I think um, especially because first season came out during the pandemic, right? I yeah. think people really like the idea of escapism, like nothing new here. But you know, escapism in everyday life it's sort of a little bit too close to home. And that's why I think shows like Euphoria is successful because Euphoria is very much drug-induced and technology and contemporary society. And then I think another spectrum of this escapism is this historical reference. So I think they create this space, which is hyper real because it seems to be like, you know, this moment already happened, people lived through it, but we are not part of it. We will never really experience it. So I think it's like this perfect, uh, utopia of past life experience and escapism. But why Why do you have, my point is, I do understand escapism and I like escapism as well, but why do you have to refer to some very specific historical moment? So what I mean is, um, for instance. Because it's already happened. Like No, it, yeah. that's the thing, it never happened. That never happened. But that's, so, it, that's so, such a perfect fantasy. No, 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 okay. I'm saying, why don't you create a fantasy drama? which is unrelated from any historical moment. You are referring to a very specific historical moment and mm -hmm. uh, uh, getting it all wrong, but not for a, because Derek Jarman, for instance, he created some historical uh, movies uh, set in the past that were completely wrong and creative. Even in Marie Antoinette, Sofia Coppola put some, uh, some on purpose, some wrong things like the Converse shoe, etc. But those, 
signify something. Those are moments in which the uh, going astray from history is creative and it's it's conducive to the construction of a meaning. In this case, uh, is there is no consistency, there is not coherent, is is in in any way. So at that point, why don't you create something fantasy in which you are allowed to mix any historical moments without referring to any specific one, like I don't know the the Lord of Rings or uh, what's the other one? Game the, of Thrones. Game of Thrones. You know what, because I think, first of all, our society is consistently inconsistent. But secondly, I do think there's a human sentiment in nostalgia, which is, regardless of it's being accurate or not, I think we glamorize and we idealize past, regardless. Yeah. And it just gives consumer of this content an illusion but it seems to have some reference to illusionary past. Like you said, it never happened, but it gives a reassurance like it could have happened. Because look, I don't think most people really analyze the accuracy of historical references in this TV series. And yeah, and just to be clear, I'm not saying that uh, historical references have to be accurate, but if you don't make them accurate, make sure that there is a reason for it, like in Sofia Coppola's case, like in Derek Jarman's case. In this case, I don't see any uh, any uh, meaning behind it. And some things are extremely, even conceptually wrong, like besides being inaccurate, like colors that could not exist at the time because they were not invented yet, uh, or corsets that did not exist at the time because there was no technology to create them yet. Because corsets are in the Victorian era, which they did not exist in the set, those bone corsets did not exist in the Edwardian, in the, in the sorry, in the Regency period. Uh, actually, empire waste does not require Courses at all, so it's it's it just doesn't uh, make much sense to me. Um, yeah, uh, what you say about nostalgia is true, and I think that this is a feature of our society that is worries me all the time, and it's our obsession with the past because we don't have any faith in the future. And, I mean, it's and, difficult to have faith yeah. in the future. In and in a, in a weird way, this is not too different from the contemporary obsession with uh, with colonialism and British Museum and to, and. and and destroying statues of people who lived hundreds of years ago, uh, just be based on some contemporary obsessions. Oh. So we are obsessing about the past, uh, like trying to change the past, like Bridgerton does that. The past is completely changed because we fantasize about the past because, and this to me is a sort of, uh, sort of a, a burden that doesn't allow us to create a better future. We are obsessing so much about the past that we are not looking ahead. And, and we should leave the past alone and improve the future because changing the past will not in itself mean anything for our future. That's true, Drippy. It's all about moving on forwards. But I can share a fun personal story about British Museum. Oh, yeah, please <laughs> do. So I, I had a new tattoo done. I'm going to show it to you now. Oh, yeah, yeah. A moment of revelation. Oh, no. oh this is the, is it the glass one. It? It's not glass. It's it's like it was made, I think, out of marbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is it it? marble? Is it that transparent one? No, it's not transparent. It's uh, it's just like a solid. I'll send you a picture. I think okay. I think it's marble. Show to our. Uh, yeah, guys, look at me. It's a skull. I, I look like I'm a, like I'm a piece of meat here, <laughs> covered in. Flesh. It's very beautiful. In clean feel. Thank you very much. Well. I, I, I obviously, like I told you, I have a reference from British Museum. Yeah. And I went to 
um, you know, to tattoo artist and I, you know, got the design and she really liked the design and I just showed her the reference. And while she was doing it, I told her, you know, uh, I got the inspiration from British Museum. I said, like, you know, found this little uh, piece and obviously, you know, it's it's a um, skull. And I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, what is it? Lizard. There's a lizard. Yes. Yeah, so my, my little lizard brain, reptilian. This reptilian is a, brain. Reptilian yeah. brain. <laughs> you know got to get to be honest but also i think you know skull uh it's such a uh, momentum mori like yeah, yeah you know yeah, for yeah, me it's it, for me it's such a huge artistic symbolic thing like yeah, yeah. um you know everything has to pass and everything is temporary and yeah. i think we should absolutely embrace it so here we go i'm embracing it with my little lizard brain uh but um essentially i told you what the reference was from british museum and the moment i said she suddenly kind of felt a bit uncomfortable and she told me, you know, I have very difficult relationship with British Museum. I'll never even go there because- Was she British? Yeah, because she said like, I feel quite uncomfortable with colonial past and all the things we have are stolen. And um, I thought it's quite interesting, right? How object out of a context, we can really enjoy it. But when we place something within specific yeah, narrative, yeah, yeah, yeah. can make someone feel like, oh, like actually this is not appropriate or this is a little bit odd. And I, I very like, often find mm -hmm. now you you're making me think. I very often I'm find making myself, me think. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, you are um, making me think. Um, the, uh, the actually I found myself uh, over the past couple of years very often um, with British people uh, and having to defend Britain because the moment in which <laughs> Yeah, because the moment in which is a country I live in, I belong here. You know what I mean? This is, to some extent, is my guy and it's yours as well. Uh, so I sometimes have to defend the country mm. because the moment in which you mention uh, Britain and the British Museum, there is a sense of they have to excuse themselves for their past, for things that they don't have any... They have to accept and, the past and, and live with it. And okay. Exactly. And especially when it comes to museums uh, and just assuming that uh, the British Museum is, is wrong and, and the National Gallery is wrong. And I mean, seriously, seriously. And, and once it's so, all, give them back. Don't complain, I mean, give them back. Uh, if you believe so, give them but back. But also strip all the, uh, you know, wallpapers of liberty, because, you know, this is a liberty print is nothing to do with British culture. If, if it's that, like, you know, I mean, it is British culture is, in the sense that colonialism yes, at the yes. time brought these ideas yeah. to Britain but, and make uh, them theirs. But I think, like, you know, uh, let's strip uh, all, you know, your nice art deco elements of architecture, stop having your 20 style great Gatsby parties. If you really want to unstrip all cultural references, which come from international yeah. relationships. Yeah, yeah, but you know, the, the, apparently there are similarities between the um, statues, the Hindu statues in India and Grecian uh, statues, because uh, it's due to the fact that Alexander the Great, when he conquered, of the world got to India and therefore left the seeds for for certain Indian um, art. Okay, so the fact that they are inspired by Grecian art does it mean that they should abandon them because they are stealing the idea from from the Grecian from the hundred of years ago, thousands of years ago? It doesn't really make sense. It it does not make sense. Yeah, I mean, consistently inconsistent logic of uh, rational egoism. <laughs> yeah, and also thinking that by 
by atoning this historical, by saying, oh, the British Museum is so bad. Oh my gosh, I am so sorry for what we did. Yeah, does this change anything? Does this change what you did? No, therefore live with it. I think, you know, the irony of all that, we live in a culture profoundly influenced by international um, elements, by references to the past, which is not necessary from where we come from. And everything in our visual spectrum is full of bits and pieces which come from our cultures. Even like, you know, contemporary exactly. art fashion is very much influenced by Impressionists and Impressionists were very much, you know, influenced Japanese. by Jap yeah. Jap and so on. The moment we start deny our past, the moment we start to write off our mistakes, wrongdoings, we stop learning our lessons and moving forward. We are bound to repeat same bullshit again and again if we come up with this approach where, you know what, uh, this is uncomfortable, let's not talk about it, let's just pretend it never was there. Yeah. I mean, once I went to... Great uh, <laughs> Gatsby party? <laughs> no, it doesn't have anything to do with this uh, specifically, but it shows you how uh, I often have to reassure people talking to me that it's okay if they are British. Uh, <laughs> it's okay if British Museum exists and uh, and it's okay. It, it, it happens to me even to have to reassure people that it's perfectly okay if they are straight. Okay. And yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? yeah, yeah, because there is this idea, especially amongst young people, that the moment in which uh, they have to say that they are straight in a conversation, they always have to excuse themselves for it. And they add something like, uh, yeah, I'm straight so far, or yes, but you know, you never know. Or they say that they are uh, open, which means I'm straight, but I don't like to be to say that I'm straight because I don't want you to think that I'm a bad person. So very often they pretend to be open. But, uh, and once really? I went to the doctors, yeah, once I went to the doctors and I'm talking about a specific type of straight person i'm not talking about you know the average uh, and once i went to the doctor for i was checking something um and she can level of british medicine <laughs> yeah exactly. colonizing british and, medicine. And, and this doctor was terrified because he had to ask me questions like um uh, if i was gay etc and the doctor was terrified to using the wrong word and at some point uh, he was truly terrified he was always excusing themselves and saying oh yeah but uh, uh, specifying things and i said look i said look can i tell you to use the words that your profession requires you to use and don't be afraid. I'm not gonna sue you because I'm not gonna be that easily offended. So do what your job tells you to do. Don't worry about uh, offending me because I know that, it's not, that, that whatever word you use is not intended to offend me, it's just intended to do your job. So do your job chill down i am extremely you know Amazing. <laughs> extremely so but this idea of people feeling this sort of guilt for, for for not having done anything and me having to every time say okay chill down it's okay it's okay use the words that you have to use you're british it's okay british museum not your fault etc etc yeah, it's, it, it's very interesting, but simultaneously, we are welcoming um, influence from international markets, such as this fast fashion chain. Oh my gosh. Shane? Uh, yes. She, 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 I, I don't know. I don't know. I always thought it was I, 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 the only thing that I, the only thing that I know is that I didn't know I didn't know shit about this play, this this store, uh, and then all of a sudden I was bombarded by um, in-depth analysis about it from business of fashion, uh, 
-hmm. Then I looked into it and I decided to make it a case study for my students because uh, what is happening with Chen is that uh, is a, is a Chinese um, shop which similar to uh, that sells online, I think mostly, and they have a very aggressive um, a very aggressive strategy which is actually making the brand grow very very fast. Is the second favorite online shop after Amazon in America. And I'm wow. not talking about fashion, I'm talking about in general. And they are growing at an outstanding rate. And one of the ways in which they do it in two ways, one is by creating very cheap things and abolishing you know, the price and being very pervasive and launching into the market, into their websites, a humongous amount of different styles. Things that no H&M or Zara can match. And therefore, uh, forecasts say that they will become, in in few years, as powerful as H&M and Zara together. Wow, now, and not Jay Bezos and his uh, stylish puffers involved. <laughs> you know, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Well, you know, he wears this like awful puffers. You know, this very Patagonia. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Actually, Shane has this sort of um, more like a, it's very Z generation style, which is interesting because they have a lot of, um, uh, I think, I guess it's similar to what Topshop used to be uh, mm. 10 years ago. These sort of um, uh, festival looks that are very cheap, very easy to wear, very festivaly and very, yay, let's drink and get pissed. And uh, then put the outfits in the, no, let's be sick on and, outfits and then exactly. we can go to bed. Yeah, it's, it's even a little bit euphoria in some sense. And they have so much choice. Now, this is the problem for me. If you look at the, if you are in fashion, the first thing that you do, if you want to start a new line or or anything is you do a survey, you conduct a survey. Um, and in surveys say that Z generation are extremely careful to things like diversity, inclusivity, and especially sustainability. So you think that, okay, that's what they consistently say in every, you know, survey therefore they must be very you know very motivated but everyone wants to you know hold the higher moral ground and say you know i'm the good that's guy. the thing and the more i study psychology the more i realize that surveys are not to be taken to be taken seriously because people simply lie Mm -hmm. in when they sometimes they lie knowing that they're lying they they tell you in polls what the interviewer what the 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 uh, interviewer wants to listen to or mm -hmm, even if, mm -hmm. the, if even if it's anonymous so you tend to conform even if it's anonymous you tend to give the answer that is the right one and we have seen for instance the fact that things like brexit and and trump were not detected before because people consistently sometimes lied in service and the same thing is mm. happening to sustainability everybody seems to be but everyone lies everybody lies. everybody lies. and sometimes it's not because they know they are lying it's because of something that in psychology is called construal level theory when a value is far from you you commit to it when the when the value is close to you uh, in either uh, time or space you tend to forget about the value and you buy into the 
low level characteristics of what you are confronted with. So my idea is that the people consistently, when they are far from the object that they want to buy, they consistently say that they care about sustainability. But when they're about to buy things, when they are close to the, their object of desire, the value vanishes. And sh shame success is exactly the demonstration of it. It does not reflect a world where Z generation seems so obsessed about sustainability and applauding Greta Thunberg. It does not reflect that. It reflects a world that is worse than the world where I grew in, where people were less concerned about sustainability, but at least they were buying things that were produced locally in either America or in Italy, like Benetton and Gap, etc. And at least that was to some extent, a um, uh, at least you could buy things with a little bit of a better quality that could last longer in time. Oh yeah, I have a perfect example. So my laptop, um is 10 years old mm -hmm. and um i decided to go and get it checked is and it this one yes Ooh, wow. and basically we, we, i went to apple we did like a whole uh test run and we told me oh because i was thinking like it's kind of running out of its juices and i was quite ready to buy a new one and i asked him like you know uh so what's the deal like is it like is it on its last breath and the guy looks at me and says no we used to do better laptops, just to make better laptops 10 years ago. So your laptop is actually better than the latest like uh, MacBook Pro would be. Wow. Let's just get you new processor memory wow. cards and battery, and it will be like better than anything else you can get on the market. So I ended up spending like 200 quid upgrading some of the hardware did it myself, like, you know, wow. like my lizard brain managed to take a screwdriver. I wouldn't be unable to do it. I mean, you don't have a lizard brain, maybe. <laughs> no, I think you've, you are haunted by a straight man who can do this sort of thing. <laughs> I'm haunted by a straight man. Yes. I'm, You're possessed. I'm possessed by a straight man inside <laughs> A straight of man took hold of you, not in the physical sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. But they think it's a, a straight man, right? I think... Yeah, 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 because they are the ones who can deal with technology. But um, it's very interesting because, uh, but one thing is that Mac does it because, uh, because, you know, Mac wants to sell more products. But for me, the problem is, regardless of big corporations, the problem is how people shop. It's not because big corporations are excused in doing it. I have like um, one last question for you, actually. Yes. Uh, you told me you like escapism. What's yeah. your favorite way to escape? Uh, my favorite way to escape is uh, probably um, watching movies and um, and uh, yes, is watching movies. Yes, I don't have many ways of escaping other than that. Watching movies, watching RuPaul's Drag Race, which I love, um, and watching TV shows. That's my vicarious um, mental life because in the real world, I am not somebody who plays too much with clothes and escapes too much. Yeah, it's all in my, I'm very lazy, basically. What is um, yours? My favorite way to escape, I guess I like going and seeing things, like experiencing. Right. Yeah, no, I'm about, too lazy for that. <laughs> uh, no, I think for me, I'm, I'm too active. I, I like going and seeing places, seeing art exhibitions, performances, just, you know, visiting new areas and seeing stuff. I think it... Um, challenges my brain actually you know I think I like to see things which I'm maybe to some extent a bit uncomfortable with <laughs> not, not the British Museum but 
<laughs> but you know, um, I like challenge in my brain. I think it makes me um, think a little bit in a different ways. And it's odd frame of escapism, you know, maybe a bit uncomfortable, but I enjoy it. So yeah, uh, on this note, uh, we hope everyone gets to uh, escape in whatever way they find the most suitable. And until that, until that moment, Kaushya gone back. Escape, but not too much.